From the east side to the west, this is From the Land, the Cleveland Sports and More podcast. I'm your host, Jason Gerber, and tonight we look at the Guardians with the first third of the season already in the rearview mirror, the NBA Finals, pro golfers getting feisty, USFL excitement boiling over, and summer, summer, summertime. I am joined tonight by two of the best ever. Co-host Phil Denko is here. Hey, Gerbs, it's good to be back. I'm rested, ready to go, and thank you for having me. Anytime, buddy. Sterling Renaissance Festival team member Chuck Rambaldo is here. <laughs> Just a team <laughs> member? I'm not even a manager? Oh, get ready, buddy. This is a summer weekends-only gig from our friends at Indeed.com. Working in Sterling, New York, which I looked up, is only about three hours from Erie. You get free lunch, free camping, and free tickets to the Renaissance Festival for your family. There are no experience or educational <laughs> requirements. There are current job openings for security, okay. cooks, cashiers, and pub wenches. Literally, <laughs> and I mean literally, there is a posting for every imaginable job at Indeed.com. <laughs> Get ready to go do some LARPing, Chuck. Free lunches. If it's a renaissance festival, is it just like huge turkey legs for every <laughs> exactly. leg? Right, yeah. Like a big, a big mug of beer and yeah. a turkey yeah. leg. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. You don't need breakfast and dinner after that. doesn't sound you bad. Know, you just, big lunch. <laughs> no. Nope. Uh, it's an opportunity to make a little bit of extra cash <laughs> mm -hmm. on the weekends this summer, Chuck. I know you got another kid coming along the way, you know, a little bit of extra cash and free right. camping. My sterling side hustle for weekends. It's not bad. All right, fellas, let's get started. We'll stay at home in the land. Start with our Guardians week cap, recapping the week for the Cleveland Guardians. And gentlemen, timing is everything. The week we took off was shitty, but nothing is as shitty as the Kansas City Royals. The guards bounced back from a two and four week that saw them lose a series at home to the Tigers with four straight wins against the Royals and the Orioles. The guards finished the week 24 and 25, winners of five of their last six and in second place in their division. And during the week we were off, somehow the team got younger. The other Oscar, Oscar Gonzalez, just <laughs> hits. Palacios wears glasses and hits. The long Quan is starting to come out of a slump. Andres Jimenez has been awesome all year and continues to crush the ball. Connor with a K, Pilkington. Is that better than Big Velvet? Yes. <laughs> Pitched a five-inning gem with eight Ks as part of their sweep of the Royals. The game that they shut out the Royals, the average age of the starters in that game was 25 and a half years old, with old-ass Luke Malley skewing the numbers at 31. So, are the baby guards taking off like Baby Shark? Do-do-do-do-do-do-do? <laughs> Thank you for that. I starting to twitch a little bit on my end just hearing that um yeah i you know the continued youth movement uh we'll see some of the guys are starting to stick you know like jimenez obviously that guy he wasn't just a all right young guy come up play second base and hits really well for a couple of weeks and then and then uh, kind of regresses he continues to mash the ball like you said and then this oscar gonzalez i i shouldn't even say it out loud we might have a an everyday corner outfielder like that would be fantastic right the baby guards do 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 uh i i think they're uh they're, they're on to something here well I, w I was just at baby shark live a couple oh, weeks God. ago you're rooting for the sharks. Um, 
Yeah. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Were you Danny Shark? <laughs> no, we skated right at intermission. It was great. But whatever this question was, I got lost in the baby yeah, shark do that. talk. Uh, because it was, it was so entertaining uh, to be there, to see it live. Is this, are these How young are guys the for real? Is that what you're asking? Going to take off in popularity and success the way the baby shark has. I don't know. They're a young team. So we, we've talked about it's going to be up and down. And it seems like a lot of times when they're calling guys up, they're really up. Like, they're really impressive very early on. But I, I think, what a great week for this team, for a lot of these young guys. But two weeks from now, it might be a terrible week for all these young guys. So I don't know if they're taking off. It's just they're committed to young guys, so I'm committed to watching them develop or or not. You know, like, so I don't know if anybody on this team should be over 27 uh, if they're playing in the field. To be honest, at this point, it's it's a complete youth movement. So let, let's see. I hope they take off. But I, like I said, they might be they might be harpooned two weeks. What, what do you do to a shark? You harpoon the shark? Can, yeah. I don't know. It depends. Is it endangered? <laughs> yeah. Don't do that. We're not looking. We're not looking to advocate that. I'm pretty excited. I'm, I'm pretty excited that they are starting to get good, solid play from young guys like Jimenez. We know was a big part of that Lindor trade. And that dude looks like a superstar at this point in waiting. Owen Miller being able to make the leap from his disappointing season last year to this year. And guys like Quan and Gonzalez, Miles Straw is still young. All of a sudden you start to look and say, gosh, they really have developed a lot of young talent that looks like it's ready to pop at the same time. So maybe it's not going to be, you know, baby shark level of success this season. But maybe next season you start looking at, holy cow, these guys really have some productive players in this lineup to go along with a pitching staff that still should be great and is also still really young. I'm excited for baby guards. I never had to experience baby shark because my kids are, you know, a lot older than you guys. I'm really happy for it um, because I watched the YouTube video once and, yeah. to make this joke uh, and it was awful. Yeah. We're going to move on from <laughs> baby guards and baby sharks, but we are just about a third of the way through the season. They played game 59 today. Uh, so let's look back and look ahead. Last season, injuries were one of the biggest stories that we had. And so far this season, knocking on wood, there really haven't been that many major injuries that have derailed the team right now. And it all kind of, it really came on while we were on our break. Reyes is out with a hamstring injury. Savali is out with an ass injury. Which of these injuries do you think <laughs> is going to have the biggest impact on the team? It's not like Reyes has been lights out all year. And he wasn't swinging the bat really well until a couple weeks ago, and that didn't last all that long. So I guess when you're losing a starter, that, that would be more important. Um, so I'm going to say the ass injury could do a little more damage because it's not like <clears throat> Fran Mill's doing any damage uh, this year so far. So both of these guys were guys we were hoping would have a breakout season, and they've both been completely underperforming right like Reyes hasn't found anything he looks lost up there most of the time you know streaky as we know um, and then Savali was terrible forever and then he started coming around of late right before he got hurt he had his best start and then he went down with the injury yeah yeah and and he was he was just underwhelming uh Prior to that, he, he was not a good pitcher for us. So I think over the course of a season, if Savali was starting to kind of 
find it a bit, you need that guy. You need that starter, be it third or fourth starter on a team like this. We need our top four starters to get into the sixth and seventh inning every game and give us a chance, which is kind of crazy to say because we have such a hole at DH and, and without Reyes, although you turn Naylor into a DH and these young guys keep performing, maybe Fran Mill can take his time and get better. So if I had to pick one, I'd go towards Savali just right now. It's just two guys that were underperforming before they got hurt i'm gonna go the other way just because i think we may have other players who can fill in for savali we're gonna get to it in a little bit but eli morgan and big velvet could both come in and pick up starts if savali is out but we've got nobody i don't think who can replace reyes and so i go with reyes as the bigger loss because we need him healthy and we need him swinging the bat like he did last season and then this lineup gets really dangerous and so I think not having that bat and not having a replacement for him makes Reyes the, the more significant impact on the team going forward. Sticking on, I guess, maybe the good news on the injury side of things, James Karinchek has started his rehab assignment in Columbus. When he's healthy and he's back, who is going to have to move out of that bullpen? Who's the odd man out when Karinchek comes back? I don't know. That's a that's a really good question. I mean, I guess... Thanks, Phil. Yeah. <laughs> Way to prepare. <laughs> you know, you've, you've got these guys in the bullpen, like like Stefan, and these like, they they come out and they, they look really good. Like Eli Morgan today, you know, they look really good. You want those guys out there in the seventh and eighth inning to get the class A in the ninth. So if Karen Check comes back and is healthy and is dominant like we saw him at his best, he pitches the eighth and maybe, maybe you lose, I don't know, someone like a, a Stefan, you know, maybe. There hasn't been anyone that's really been just terrible coming out of the bullpen. You know, the elder statesman, uh, Shaw, they're not getting rid of him. <laughs> you know, he's like, he's the only reason that the team average age is at 25 and not 22, I think. <laughs> I, I think it is Shaw that he, he gets DFA'd or sold for cash or, or you changed, whatever's going to happen here. I know Tito, like, loves him, though. I think an older guy like that is imperative in a young bullpen who's been through everything and who can who can teach young guys but if karen check comes back and and he's throwing as hard as he is and his spin rates and all that stuff are still there maybe it is shaw but i don't know i, I know tito's always had like a huge boner for him and has loved him everywhere so phil might be right might be one of the younger guys but maybe my money's on shaw it's kind of why i wanted to throw this question by you guys i actually think from a, a strictly numbers perspective it's shaw I mean, he's probably having one of the worst seasons from beginning to end in the bullpen right now. I agree with you, Chuck. I don't know how they or if they move on from him because Tito loves him. And in a bigger picture sense, you need some veterans on the team. And there would not be many in that bullpen if he wasn't there. And so maybe from a perspective of something outside of the numbers, you, you keep Shaw because you, you need the leadership. You need the maturity out there. And so then I think it comes down to it's either Ghost or De Los Santos. Yeah. One of those guys is the odd man out, I think. De Los Santos has been around the league, I think, for a while. So it's not like you're sending that guy back to the minors. I don't know if Ghost has any more options. They can do that with him. Those are probably the guys I think will go because I don't think they're moving on from Shaw. I think Tito just likes to have him out there and trusts him and trusts him to kind of be a leader out there. And so he's probably not going anywhere. But I think Karen Sheckill should be back, you know, within a few weeks or a month or so. They're going to have to be making this decision. And I think mid-June, the numbers of pitchers they're allowed to carry drops. It was expanded because of the spring training stuff. 
So that number is going to go down too. So there might be two guys who have to make a move out of that bullpen if if Karinchek comes back. Let's look at the offensive side of things for the first third of the season. Hats for bats. Jose Ramirez appreciation edition. Guy has been beyond good this year, hitting 291 with 14 home runs and 53 RBIs so far this season. He has been on an absolute tear for the last two weeks. So I'm going to give you guys some stats. I want you to tell me what is your favorite J-Ram stat for the last 15 games and why. So in the last 15 games, he has 20 RBIs. He's hitting 315. His slugging percentage is 796. Now, I had to look this up because I didn't know. But a good slugging percentage is 450. You're elite if you're at 650. And J-Ram in the last two weeks is at like 800. <laughs> During that time, he's also had 11 walks compared to only three Ks. So what and why, Phil? Favorite J-Ram stat? Wow, those are all really good. Uh, he's so good. I, I wonder sometimes if our fan base even really realizes what we have here, right? Like he is yeah. so, so good. I mean, MVP conversation year in and year out. And again, this year, after getting paid truckloads of money and no protection in the lineup, he continues to produce MVP-like numbers. So I'm going to go with the slugging percentage, if I had to pick one, because that's ridiculous that he's slugging 800. On occasion, I, I listen to parts of the game on the radio as I'm driving around before I watch it, and, and Hammy is hilarious. When he actually pitched to J-Ram, Hammy just rips apart the other team, which is hilarious to hear. Something happened the other day because he got, like, on the first pitch, he, he, he drilled one over the fence against uh, in Baltimore in the first game. And Hammy said something to the effect that uh, clearly the news that J-Ram is an MVP candidate has not made it to Baltimore yet because they just threw him a fastball on the first pitch. <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, we need him to be hitting for power and he's clearly doing it, even though other teams have no real reason to pitch to him. I like the RBI numbers for the last two weeks, but I like them even more for the full season, especially for the things Phil listed. A guy that can be pitched around sometimes in this lineup is still driving in a ton of runs. And Phil mentioned, usually, guy gets paid, guy files off a little, and he is not falling off at all. He's playing at an even higher level, at an MVP level in Cleveland in a, with a really young lineup. So I like, anytime we're scoring runs, that means, hey, maybe we're going to win the game. So I'm going with the RBIs. I'm going with walks compared to Case. Uh, I think a guy like that who's hitting for power and driving in runs, but barely striking out at all, and still knowing that he's not going to see a lot of good pitches, still being patient enough to take the walks when he can, get on base, you know, keep moving through the lineup and stuff like that. I, I've always loved J-Ram when he was at his periods where he was really hard to strike out. And I think for a few years there, he, he got a little power happy and, and the strikeouts went up. And I think he's back to where he was maybe when he kind of started with the Indians then, the Guardians now, uh, and taking those walks and being disciplined at the plate and then putting a hurt on somebody when they actually give him something to hit. J-Ram, MVP, certainly for the guards for the first third of the season, probably for all of baseball. Let's take a look at the mound during the first third of the season. Our K Jewelers mound gems, every K begins with K, and things are starting <laughs> to look pretty gemmy on the mound in the american league right now the guardians as a team are ranked sixth in era at 3.72 third in whip and they're tied for fifth in the american league in complete games with zero <laughs> only, only four teams have, pitch, have a pitcher who's pitched a complete game this season <laughs> That's great. Bieber and Quantrill are rolling. McKenzie is dangerously close to getting hot, I think. 
Plesak and Savali still scuffling a little bit, uh, with Savali also now out of the rotation uh, with his ass injury. So between now and midseason, who are we going to see more in the starting rotation? Connor Pilkington or the newly sexy Eli Morgan? After watching Eli Morgan today, I don't want it to be him. I think he fits a role in that bullpen that he can be put in at any time as a long reliever, uh, as a setup guy in a really tight situation today. He looked fantastic. And for a guy who was fed to the wolves last year because of the injuries, and he did not have, I I think he had a pretty piss poor record last year, Uh, but a guy who came, came to camp, put on weight, put on muscle, they were really impressed with them, and I'm pretty sure their opposing batters are hitting under 200. So you would say, hey, maybe he should be the starter. I think that guy fills a really great role in this bullpen that you can go to him uh, if somebody has a, a terrible start in the third inning, or you can go in the fifth or the sixth or the seventh. So the other guy, that's who I'm <laughs> <Big> saying. <Velvet. laughs> All right. Yeah, yeah uh, Big Velvet, Connor with a K. Uh, I think we'll see him start more. He's he's a lefty. We we don't have too many lefties in this rotation. That gives him a, a slight edge. Not to mention everything Chuck just said about Eli Morning Morgan is a is a huge plus for that bullpen. So I I think that the young kid stays there. Not that they're not that Morgan's old. <laughs> the younger kid stays there. <laughs> the twenty four year old or whatever it is stays. And and maybe because he is a southpaw, uh, it's nice to have that lefty in the in the starting rotation. Of Morgan has been great. In the bullpen. So I'm, I'm with you guys. I hope they keep him there. And Pilkington did really well in that start against the Royals. So I think he's definitely earned another chance to fill that spot while Savali is gone. And maybe we don't need to move Morgan out of uh, where he's at. I will say that um, the number one Twitter overreaction of the day after his performance this afternoon was somebody posting a picture of Eli Morgan next to Andrew Miller and saying that they're these, these two are the same. <laughs> yeah. Okay. He was really great. It was good, but calm down. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's a little bit much. So I think that is it for a look back on this first third of the season for the Guardians. I would say overall, they did pretty much exactly what we thought they would, right? They're right at about 500. Uh, I still think a lot of promise and a lot of opportunity for that team to win games going forward for the rest of this season. But let's take a quick stop for some Brown movements because there were some signings while we were away on our break. First one, the Browns re-signed David Njoko. Now, it was reported as a four-year, $56 million deal. But when you actually look at the way the contract breaks down, it's really a two-year deal with $25 million guaranteed. After that second season, the Browns would be able to get out paying, I think, a buyout of like $3 million bucks. So, good deal, bad deal, just happy that Hooper is gone. <laughs> <laughs> I I think it's a good deal, and I'm happy Hooper is gone. You know, right? so yeah, yeah. I, I think it's a good deal, especially the way you broke it down. It, it's it's not as risky as as first reported that it was some five year. You know, yeah. he's now the fourth or fifth highest paid tight end in the NFL, and if that guy's gonna break out with all of his now experience and athleticism, it's in the next couple years, right? Like hopefully this year. So I think it's a great deal for the Browns. Now that Hooper's not in front of him, he's your number one tight end. So no matter who's taking snaps for the Browns next year, you would think he's going to get the ball a lot. And he's a huge mismatch, you know, across the the NFL. He is that guy, that mismatch tight end that you see just flash on all these teams that have that guy. He is that guy for the Browns. So let's hopefully see it come to fruition. Well, we're in year three now of Stefanski's tight end heavy offense that has not been all that tight end heavy. Dude's feet were on backwards. (laughs) 
That might have been the problem, yes. The good news is <laughs> he's an athletic freak. It looks like he should be that guy who breaks out, who you said, Gerb, you were looking for him to break out last year, and he did have a good year. His hands were better. His blocking was better. He got paid. So whoever's throwing him the ball, uh, I think he has a much stronger year, at least offensively. Like, I think he's going to have the season this year that you expected him, Gerbs, to have last year where he might have 800 yards in eight or nine touchdowns just because he is that physical mismatch, especially in the red zone that they rarely took advantage of. I'm not ready to call it a good deal yet, but I was glad to hear that it wasn't a four-year, $56 million commitment. The guy's been a disappointment. I understand that he's a physical freak and he's supposed to be this mismatch nightmare for defenses. I don't know that we've really ever seen it. And so uh, there's a million things I suppose you could blame that on. You, of course, put it on Baker if that's your your view of Baker as a quarterback. But I don't know. I guess I'm glad that we've got him because we need to have somebody play tight end and a tight end heavy friendly offense. And, and I am also glad that Hooper's gone. But I, I don't know if I love this deal. I don't know if I believe in this guy anymore. But hopefully I'm wrong. Still young. He's like 25, yeah, no, right? That's, that's middle age in the kid. NFL, though. So... <laughs> And look at how I'm doing in middle age. I don't trust that he's making a comeback. I don't think he's getting better. I hope I'm wrong. I hope you guys are right because he should be absolutely dominant. Uh, and I'd like to see that happen for him and for the Browns. The next signing was uh, bringing back Dearness Johnson on a pretty modest one-year, $2.5 million deal. Are you surprised that somebody else in the league didn't take a shot at this guy in a multi-year deal? I am, just because he looked so great last year. And maybe it's because we watched him very intently. I don't know if it was before. He fired his agent. Yeah. So I think he expected to get that deal. And... I didn't expect them to give him a deal when they drafted the kid from Cincinnati. So uh, am I happy he's back at a at a pretty reasonable rate? Yeah. Are there enough touches to go around? Maybe. You know, like maybe if Kareem Hunt gets hurt again or, you know, like whatever it is. But the guy was so solid last year that we could have argued that he was an MVP candidate for the team at some point. Uh, so I'm glad he's on the team. It's a guy I want on this team that I didn't expect to be here. So... Uh, one more year, I would have thought he would have signed a two- or three-year deal somewhere else and made some real money, but uh, their loss is our game. I'm really surprised that he did not get a, a multiple-year deal with another team as a one or a two, even. Chuck's right. I mean, that's a huge gain for the Browns because what this does is this is our safety net for injury is what this is, right? And and at a position that gets beat up a lot, and, you know, we've been, we've been fortunate over the last few years to have, you know, two really premier running backs – neither one of whom have made it through the full season without some injury, right? So to have a guy like Dearness at number three to step in there and, and maybe even step in there to spell some of these guys in certain games, depending on how the game is going, uh, that's great. It's just another safety net to keep these guys healthy and he's productive and maybe he'll he'll play his way into a bigger contract uh, after this year with another team. I'm really surprised no one picked him up this offseason, though. I'm a little bit disappointed for him, man. I felt like that was a guy who earned a, a better deal from somebody else and earned a chance to be he de-earned it oh man thank you <laughs> i am really glad for the show that we get to keep running the de-earnest the johnson dimitri to felton joke back for yeah. another season but yes he de-earned yeah. um another a better contract and a chance to be a number one or a number two and, and really get some playing time uh, i really like this guy man i thought he was super effective for the browns last year i'm glad that he's back uh, i felt like he deserved a better deal but, fellas, I think that's going to be it for our at-home segment. Why don't we take our first break, come back, head out on the road, talk some basketball, some golf, 
Ah, and some USFL. <laughs>
in their seven, eight, nine-year run that they've been on with this core group of guys, the Clay, Draymond, Steph Curry team? That's a hard question to answer. Is it the most impressive? I, I they're not facing a team with LeBron on it, so let's let's that's out, right? I, I guess in some ways it's it it can be the most impressive because it's not the same Clay, Draymond, Steph teams that that were there year in and year out against Cleveland. You know, even early on when they they won that first one because the Cavs were injured and then they went on a run and then they got Durant and kept winning. But so you're talking about a team right now that has a Clay Thompson that is a shell of his former self because of injury. I mean, that that because of injury, right? Oh, yeah. Steph is still an amazing player, amazing shooter. Yeah, maybe I would give it the, the edge to being the most impressive. And here's why, because I think guys like Jordan Poole and the and, the, and Wiggins, that's that's all the difference in this series if they win it. Those guys are carrying them, not carrying them, but they're making the difference in this series potentially if they win it. So I'd be slightly more impressed with this victory than any of the other ones they had. <laughs> because this team is older, at least their core and their stars are older. But like Phil's saying, they're, uh, this team's probably deeper. Inguadalo was their best deep player in that run against the Cavs, right? On the greatest team of all time that was up 3-1 and lost. So, yeah, I mean, I don't want to... I, I fucking hate this team forever. So I don't want to give them credit. But, yeah, it is the most impressive win. You, you, you have time between championships. You have injuries, uh, major injuries, and you have age. And father time catches up to everyone. So... Uh, just because they, they have Poole and Wiggins and some other guys who can play, I think they're a deeper team maybe than they were back then, or at least it seems that way because they're more in the spotlight other than Curry and uh, Draymond and Clay. JaVale McGee was on that first yeah. Yeah. Those first couple yeah, teams. Right. Yeah. The name is escaping me right now. There's a guy who is so shitty, but he played so awesome against the Cavs. I wish I could remember who he was. Anyway, I think this would be the most impressive one. 2015, they beat the Cavs when Kyrie and Kevin Love weren't playing. They beat the Cavs with missing two of their big three, and it was a six-game series. Then they win in 17 and 18 because they added Durant to the best team in NBA history. Yeah. Like they're supposed to win those games. They're supposed to win those series. Yeah. You know, Not wanting to give them any credit and still hating them as much as I possibly can. I would say if they can win it this year, it would be the best win, the best title of any of those that they won over the last few years. So with that, who wins it, guys? I think it's I think it's the Warriors, even though the Celtics played really well game one. And it seems like maybe this is the difference from those teams. The Warriors seem more streaky. Either they're knocking down everything or they had like their fourth quarter that they did last game one and they were missing a ton. I don't like either team. I think, I think, I think the Warriors set a tone tonight, and I, I liked some of, even though I hate them, I like some of the things they said after that loss, saying we may have taken them a little too lightly, or, or they said, hey, we just we forget this and go to game two. Uh, it's a team that's been here before uh, and won it before, uh, and the Celtics have not. And well, Al Horford is your superstar in game one when you have Tatum, who's a top ten player. Uh, and Marcus Smart is a great player, and Horford's the guy carrying you. And the other guy who shoots threes, who I can, is it Wright? Is that his name? Like I, I don't know. Who the, he had like White. sixteen or eighteen in game one. White, yeah. I th I've been wrong a lot in the playoffs, so um, if I'm wrong, it doesn't hurt my feelings. Because I hate the Warriors, but I still think that I still think they're going to win. I think they're going to win the series. I think Golden State wins this series. I think it maybe. You know, the fact that Boston took game one was was huge. Just 
in hopes of this being a an exciting series, right? Like maybe it goes six or seven uh, instead of four or five. <laughs> um, so so that was big. Although I mean, they may Golden State might win by fifty tonight. I don't know the way this is going. I think they win it. This has been such a hard postseason to talk about because from game to game, it's like you're watching two completely different yeah, things that is true you yep. know it's like so yeah. you saw this wonderful boston come from behind hard fought like really exciting playoff game the other night great that boston came out on top but regardless of the winner of that first game it was an exciting playoff game like that was great and then you see something like this again like okay it's a 30 point game in the fourth quarter and that's been kind of what we've seen in the postseason so who's to say if the next game which i think is in boston right yeah it's got to be so the next game, they go in there and, yeah, all right, maybe Boston just runs them off the floor all of a sudden, takes a 2-1 lead. Like, that would that would change your com- your, your complete feel for this. But I think Golden State goes into Boston, wins a game, uh, and then basically just retains home court advantage and, and ends up pulling this out uh, in six or seven. Well, you guys are way off. Warriors are secretly <laughs> shitty. The only I guy that's right. reliable is, is Steph, yeah. Draymond, and... Clay just can't do it the way they used to, and you can't count on the young guys night in and night out. Uh, I think the Celtics are taking this series. I feel really good about that with your record of predictions, too. That's fantastic. That's great. (laughs) I haven't been bad. I've been okay in the playoffs this year. just riding the Celtics every series. Of course, I did I hope, say that I hope you're last right. series when they were down two one, they, they were out of it. And they yeah, right. I heard, one, I just listened so. to that again. Yeah, that when when did this series end for for Boston? And then they won it. <laughs> yeah. All right, enough basketball. Let's talk golf. <laughs> the ultimate nerd fight is happening in golf right now. The PGA versus Live Golf. Live is a new golf circuit trying to take a bite out of the PGA. Its first event is coming up next weekend. They play a much different format than we're used to seeing in a PGA tournament. There will be 12 teams of four players playing against each other over four days. They have eight total events in their season. The winning team of four players each week gets $25 million. Put that into some perspective. The dude that won the Masters got $2.7 million. So your winner's share each week in Live Golf is six and a quarter million bucks compared to 2.7 at the biggest tournament the PGA has at the end of the year, the single best player in live golf gets a $30 million kicker. Jeez. So money, obviously a big deal for live golf. They made a lot of news this week because the field for that first event next weekend was announced. It included Dustin Johnson uh, also includes Brooks Kepka's brother and seasonal Santa's helper, Louis Oosthuizen. Kevin Na, <laughs> who is currently the 33rd ranked player in the world in the PGA, resigned from the PGA this week to play on the Live Tour. So PGA is pissed. It says players can't play in another tour and is threatening all sorts of legal action against them if they do. The players are pissed. They want the freedom to play wherever they want. They probably just really want the opportunity to make as much money as they possibly can. Nothing wrong with that. So are you interested in more golf, a new tour, and the new format? I'm not really interested in it. Uh, I'm, I'm hardly a golf fan as it is. I mean, you know, but <laughs> but <laughs> I, I kind of understand some of the conflict here. And then, I, then beyond my limited understanding of it, I have a lot of questions. Like, now I had to resign from the PGA to go play on this, but... They have they granted Dustin Johnson the ability to go play? The the PGA hasn't 
officially said what it's going to do to a player who plays oh, okay. it. And so Nod just kind of cut it off and just said, forget it. I'm not going to let you. I'm not going to let you govern that at all. Or anything yeah. like that. I'll right. just retire from the PGA and go play in this other thing free and clear and never come back. Well, and for him, I mean, you know, like you said, make as much money as you can. Right. So this this yeah. th- that gives a, 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 an individual like that the opportunity to go do this. This is, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is a Greg Norman headed thing, I believe, right? Yeah. There, there's some big name. I know like Mickelson's been involved with it, although he's not in the in the field officially yet, but that's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> They've got some big names. It's it's all about the cash and their first events in London, I think. They're they're playing 54 holes. That's why it's LIV. Oh, It'll I be interesting to see. That. Look at that. Look at you and your knowledge yeah, of Yeah, three numerals. rounds of right. golf. Like Roman for, numerals. For for somebody who says he's not interested in golf, Phil sure knows an awful lot about the so off brand PGA. I had to read about this because I didn't understand the <laughs> I didn't understand here's here's my biggest question, and this is maybe Gerber's legal expertise will help guide me here. The PGA, we're talking about a sport of individuals. So I, I can't imagine there's a is there a players union in the PGA or or a owners union? I mean, there's no ownership, right? Like it's that's a weird kind of thing. So I understand that they're kind of contractually obligated and they live in this environment that is the PGA. So I kept thinking about this. This would be like if someone someone on the Browns decided like, screw this, I'm going to play for the Philadelphia Stars because they're going to play pay me more money. Well, they're they're embedded in a union that probably won't go over too well, right? So I don't know how the PGA works with that. Clearly, they're contractually obligated to that tour if they're seeking permission to go play in this other tour. Yeah, I don't know enough about how they're tied to the PGA, although I'm sure the PGA sanctions all of the tournaments. And so if the PGA says, hey, we're just not allowing you to play in the tournament. Yeah. So this is know, sanctioned again. I, for for, for yeah. knowing very little, I know a lot. Apparently this is sanctioned. Yeah. This is sanctioned by the Asian yeah. tour. Uh, I, it is sanctioned and it's a completely different tour. And there are, I mean, there's a, there's a European tour. There's um, an Asian tour. I mean, there would this be mo- more like a, a a headlining NASCAR driver going and playing in like the truck circuit or some shit, <laughs> you know, like, like, I don't know. Which has happened, which NASCAR guys do Indy and Indy. Well, yeah, yeah. That's, a, that's even a better example. Like they go and play, they go and race open wheel and in, in Indy different. or whatever. Yeah. Right. Uh, you remember open wheel from days of thunder. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we should do a pod about dates. Can they, can they redo that movie? Holy shit. I, I'm going right now. Um, <laughs> So I, I don't know. This is interesting to me. It's clearly the cash is the draw here, right? I mean, that is that is it. Like the, the amount of money you just out outlined there, girls. Yeah. These guys are yeah, it's absurd. They stand to make. Yeah, someone could just be on the best team and make make more money than than winning all the majors in the PGA Tour. So Chucky, I think we've had in our lifetime an interesting run because we've really seen the fall of team control and the rise of free agency and every major sport, like during our lifetimes, do you look at this as a, as a new opportunity for golfers to have just another place to play or do golfers just really love money or both? And is that cool? (laughs) I think it's both. I think anybody who's a professional athlete or anybody who's in a a workforce loves money. That's why you typically you do it. And somebody offers you more, you usually go that way. I don't know if it interests me. I think it's it's an interesting opportunity for guys who maybe are ranked 100 to 200, where they have an opportunity to go there and make more money than a top 10 player or the five of the top 10 players for the season. So that that's great. And we've we've talked about we like 
that players have more options with the NBA that they can kind of pick and choose where they want to go and they have more power now. Uh, I've always been a fan of that. So if it happens to the PGA, cool. Does it interest me to watch it? I'm going to use your verbiage here, Gerb. There's far too many sports as it is, and I don't have time to watch something. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if I have time to watch it. I, I may sample it. I may, if it was something extremely different when it came to match play or if there were obstacles on the golf course or, you know, like if it, if it was rough and rowdy and there was no, like, etiquette for for the crowd that they can hoot and holler whenever, you know what I mean? Like if it's something that stands out different visually or sonically for me as a viewer, I might be interested as a casual golf fan, but do I, will I seek it out? I, I don't know. I'm not sure if I would or not. Let me throw another analogy out there for you guys. Cause as you were saying that Chuck, it, 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 you're right. And then it dawned on me. All right. So let's talk about heavyweight fighting or, or just boxing in general. You know, you've got all these, these belts, these different belts. And at the, at, I can't imagine any one of us on this pod right now has some loyalty to one organization in fighting. We, we're, right. It's all about the yeah, matchup, right? right? So yeah, whatever sure. belt they're fighting for, it's about the matchup. So let's say this goes forward in golf, and all of a sudden, because of the money, you get some big names. And a certain tournament on a certain weekend, all of a sudden, it's Dustin Johnson and Colin Morikawa or whoever going head-to-head. You're probably going to watch that, and don't you won't give a shit who is sanctioning Absolutely it, right? right? Like yeah, it's, right. it's all about the players because of the individual aspect of the sport. So I don't know, maybe, man, I don't, I, I, maybe I'll find out accidentally that I will be tuning into this because of that factor. Let me ask it. So the new golf league, are those guys tied to that league? Like PGA guys? It, 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 or or no, could, so. if the PGA let them float back and forth, or is this an opportunity there where like, you know, like what have I watched golf wise? I didn't seek out, Aaron Rodgers and whoever when they played, but is it something like Steph Curry's a, a unbelievable golfer? Like if he decides to play in a few events, maybe that's why I you know what I mean? Like maybe that's why I'll watch this thing. Like guys in in a professional setting that are typically there. I don't there. think Steph is at the level of the guys who are going to be in this thing, even though these guys are all like second tier or third tier PGA player. Right now, it's it's a lot of the Brooks Kepka's brother guy what's his brother's first name because brooks is a sweet name i want to know what his bro's name is i think it's a lot of guys at like that level that are young trying to make some money you got guys like kevin nah i think he's been playing on the tour for 20 years so he's probably even though he's still a really good player he's at the down end of his career there's a guy who goes and makes some money dustin johnson being there man i mean justin johnson is still a big name and a very competitive and very good player yeah. on the tour and what I would say right now is if I'm Brooks Kepka's brother, I'm crossing my fingers and hoping Johnson gets on my team because uh, I'm going to ride that horse to six yeah. million dollars in one week of work. But if Mickelson ends up playing in an event and let's say the final round, it comes down to, you know, the last the last six holes and it's Dustin Johnson and Phil Mickelson, you're not going to care if it says PGA yeah. or LIV, right? Right. You're just going to turn it on. And can we just refer to Brooks Kapka's brother as Jermaine going forward? I think that'd be funny. Like Jermaine, just Jermaine Kep- Kep- I'm, I'm consulting like my supercomputer right now. <laughs> Jermaine. Okay, his name's Chase. It's another oh, cool name. Chase, Chase Kepka. Kepka. All right. Well, not debatable. That's his name. I believe you. Debatable whether it's cool. <laughs> Let's move from a cool one new league to another. USFL Week Eight is finally here. We are getting so close to being done. <laughs> Generals beat the Maulers in a classic (laughs) rivalry. Birkingham beat New Orleans in another classic rivalry. The Stars struck the Panthers 46 to 18. 
And now, playoff fever is gripping the USFL and its 87 fans. Three of the four playoff spots are already clinched. New Jersey, Birkingham, and Denkodelphia all clinched. <laughs> Tampa Bay and Houston still in the hunt for the final spot. But gentlemen, the best news of the night and the best thing you're going to hear all day, the USFL playoffs on June 25th and the USFL Super Bowl on July 3rd, all being played in Canton, Ohio. Oh. oh. So which of you are going? Let's all go. Can we do a remote there? <laughs> <laughs> I suppose. we. I don't know if I want to be in Canton for the USFL Super Bowl over 4th of July weekend. <laughs> oh, just stay at my house. It'll be fun. We'll go to the Football Hall of Fame. We'll have a, we'll have a good time. <laughs> I'll make a day of it. Yeah. <laughs> Chuck, are you going to be able to make the trip? Uh, July 3rd? I'm sure I have some parade I need to drive in. I, it's more important than the USFL Super Bowl. Yeah. So. I'm just excited that it's going to be so close to home. Like they're playing the entire yeah. season in Birmingham, and then for the playoffs, <laughs> they're coming to Canton. That's fantastic. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right, well, I don't know. Fingers crossed we we get to the playoffs in the USFL, but I'm glad that the regular season Can we send Burke? Winding. His team's undefeated. Just send that's Burke. That's true. Burke's got to go. Yeah, that's actually a great idea. Yeah. Burke, if you're yeah. listening to this, and I know you're not, you're going. <laughs> Tell us how it is. Uh, fellas, with that, why don't we take our last break? We'll come back, head off the field, and talk about summer. Welcome back, fellas, to our final segment. We'll head off the field, and summer is finally here. Let's help our listeners plan their summer events and travel for summer 2022. And let's start with Chuck in Erie, Pennsylvania. Chuck, which of these events is a can't miss for summer, summer travelers to Erie this year? June 11th, this one's coming up. CFA Great Lakes Regional Cat Show. Celebrate the beauty of all things cats on the 11th and 12th of June at the Bayfront Convention Center. Next one, go. June 25th, Erie Food Truck Festival. 13 food trucks, local brewers, only 10 bucks a ticket. Next one, July 30th, the second annual Lake City Fire Company Brews and Hoses Brewfest. Live entertainment, food trucks, wineries, distilleries, meaderies, and a growing list of local brewers, games of chance, and Chinese auction as well. Ooh, games August of chance. August 5th, Erie Blues and Jazz Festival attracts more than 20,000 people to Erie. Wow. Uh, multiple stages come alive with vibrant music and art from regional and national artists. So, Chuck, which of these do we need to be at this summer? So, first off, I've been to three or four of these. Okay. You tell me which one I haven't been to. Please tell me you've been to the cat thing. Oh, you have? <laughs> I have yeah, been yeah. to the cat show. We have a cat tank you need. <laughs> <laughs> I have been to the cat show. It was super weird. I would imagine. Uh, I, I'm yeah. not a cat person. I'm a dog guy. I don't mind cats. But I was there, uh, and who I was there with from work, super cat person. And it was it was kind of like, I assume, going to like a sneaker convention or a baseball car. People were trying to sell their cats. <laughs> <laughs> they're trying to peddle their cats while they're are they, there. Are they graded? Like, this is a 9.8. It's, it's, if, yeah. you, if you've seen, like, a Westminster dog show, this yeah. is what this is like. It was uh, it was like, like Cat Fancy sponsored it last year or whatever. And they judge them, and they pull them out. I'm like, this is, oh. this is weird. It smelled awful in the oh, convention yeah. center. This is a big venue. It smelled terrible. But of all of those, 
Uh, all of them are actually, the Blues and Jazz Fest is a great festival. It's changed over the years because you used to be able to camp there. So people would live in Frontier Park for like three days. And if you're in the Blues and Jazz, it's excellent. Uh, there is a uh, feeling of camaraderie there. You go from like Tent City and people will offer you food, they offer you drinks, that kind of stuff. But for me, I like the Food Truck Festival because I can walk there. It's literally <laughs> like a quarter mile from me. Uh, and it, it it's really good that they're doing it this year because last year, I want to say they only had like four food trucks. And I waited for an hour and 40 minutes to get food. But it's a cool event. It actually benefits my community where I live in Erie. Uh, it benefits uh, a bunch of stuff that happens for Iroquois High School, the school district here. Uh, and the, they have a band called The Groove, who is fantastic. They're a great cover band who does a lot of like uh, 70s, 80s, 90s soul music. You can go from tent to tent too and sample, you know, like very heavy craft beers. There is not a natty ice tent for me, <laughs> so I have to step it up on that day. Uh, and that one's coming up soon, so that's the one I would probably... I've never been to the, the hoses and whatever, <laughs> brews and hoses one, but... <laughs> Uh, there are a number of great events. That sounds good, too. That it does, does sound yeah. Good, it sounds great. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that sounds great. I would go to the Food Truck Festival, though, because there are some actually excellent food trucks in here. Can our listeners stay with you and go to the Food Truck Festival? Absolutely. Don't tell Whitney you committed to that. Which one of the Erie events do you want to head to, Phil? I, I like the, the food truck option and the, uh, the, the other brewery option. Both of those sounded fantastic, although the Jazz Fest sounds great, too. I, I guess I'm always interested in a food truck thing. Like just my, in my mind, you know, okay. Chuck said there was four food trucks. Like let's, maybe there's going to be 13 this year. Perfect. They got to cover. That's what I was about to say. That's what I was about to say. Like if they yeah. can bump that number up, I, I love the outdoor food court. Like I love it. Like, it, all right. It, food from any, any number of backgrounds. They're just, they, they're confined to their small spaces. We're going to make this to order. You're going to go sit on a picnic table and maybe drink a beer out of a plastic cup while you're enjoying this food. Like I, that sounds really good to me, and that's in what six days? No, the June twenty. Is that the first one coming up? It's a little yeah. You know, June twenty fifth. Yeah. Oh, okay. Plenty of time. time. Yeah. Let's get some people together and go to Erie for the food truck <laughs> thing, man. That sounds uh, awesome. Food truck sounds really good, but the the blues and jazz festival sounds pretty cool. That's a pretty big event for twenty thousand people to be coming into town for something like that. Uh, I hate jazz music. But I really like the blues. So um, I I'm in for the blues and jazz festival. Maybe the food truck thing just so we can stay at Chuck's house. That all sounds pretty good. Phil, I looked around for things to do in Willoughby this summer. Uh, Willoughby, Ohio, where you live. There's not a lot. Community mm -hmm. Shredding Day is August 20th. So that's one you might want to put on your calendar. <laughs> it's important. It's important. Hey, if gather you've got your any, documents. If you've got any documents that you don't want to see, the, you don't want to see the light of day, this is the day for you. <laughs> so let, let's broaden the reach a little bit. We'll just do Cleveland Music Festivals. First one, Wonderstruck, July 9th and 10th at Lakeland Community College in Kirtland, headlined mm -hmm. by the Lumineers and Vampire Weekend. Uh, July 15th. This one isn't actually a music festival, but they have live music and the website said they have a stage as well at the Cleveland Tequila Fest. Over 50 oh. tequilas to sample, food trucks, oh. Denko, food vendors, and a full bar. Uh, where where, where one, is that one at? Downtown somewhere. I'm going. July? Let's go. <laughs> July 15th. Uh, the Sad Summer Festival, August 7th. I'm sorry, August 2nd at Jacob's Pavilion, headlined by Water Parks, Neck Deep, May Day Parade, and State Champs, which don't sound like real sad bands. Those all <laughs> sound like real fun bands. Uh, last one, 
Bash on the Bay, August 24th and 25th. Brad Paisley and the Zach Brown Band headline a two-day event on Putin Bay. Danko, what do travelers to the Cleveland area need to hit this summer? Well, if you're coming to Cleveland and you want to go to the Brad Paisley thing and the Zach Brown Band in Putin Bay, you're you're still pretty far away. So, <laughs> you know, maybe maybe <laughs> that's that's closer to Toledo. But so the the concert at Lakeland Community College has has actually been gaining some traction of late, and and you had mentioned like Lumineers are headlining that. That's a yeah. big deal, and that's a cool. I don't know, like a miniature festival kind of venue because Lakeland Community College is just on a big plot of land yeah. in Lake County and they, they'll set up stages and they'll have, I'm sure they'll have a ton of food trucks and beer vendors and all that kind of stuff. So that might be a cool way to see someone like the Lumineers in an outdoor venue in the middle of the suburbs, to be honest. Uh, but if anyone wants to come stay with me and join me for the tequila fest, I'm all about that. Like that sounds, that sounds something that is so out, outside of what I typically look into like i'm not a tequila drinker i'm i want to be <laughs> you know I'd, I'd i'd like to find out more about that i feel the same way about tequila as i do about spring football and more golf leagues like i drink it you don't need it right, <laughs> right. So, so so here let me let me backtrack a little bit let me backtrack we are all bourbon lovers on this pod right so there was a time where i took some time to like i want to i want to understand like bourbon and I got into it and I really like it. So I, I feel like perhaps there's that out there in tequila as well. So I'm willing to explore it. And that sounds kind of cool. The, uh, the, the tequila fest, 50 tequilas, there was a bunch of food and music for that one too, right? Live music and a stage. And a, oh, that was the one that the <laughs> stage, stage may or may not be <laughs> verified. I guess, I guess having said that, if I had to pick one, the, the Lakeland community college is that's something that I'm sure it's, it's not super expensive it's kind of a mini festival feel. It's not in the city. It's out in the outskirts. And uh, you get to see, see someone like the Lumineers. That's pretty cool. Chuck, so your mom still lives in the Cleveland area. And this summer, you got to combine a trip to see some music and see your mom. Which of these shows are you going to? I like Vampire Weekend, and I've never seen them live. Like they're a really good band. Yeah. Kind of pretentious, though. Their fan base is pretty pretentious. But I, there was a time... <laughs> Where I loved tequila, uh, and oh, not wow. good tequila, ironic bad tequila. Really? I, yes. My love for high life kind of happened because I would go into really nice bars and I said, "Yeah, high life," and people would drink it. Give me high life, and I really like high life. And I spent like three summers asking for the worst tequila in your. Give me the worst tequila you have. Oh my god! Something below your well. Right. Ballsy. Because I was just being stupid. Let me tell you, the worst tequila of all time is something called tortilla silver. Uh, it's like nail nail polish remover. It is so bad. Uh, but I, I do like tequilas. And I'm assuming if it is a, uh, a tequila festival, there is going to be a lot of Mexican food options, which I have grown to really love over the last 10 years. And if there's a stage there, that's great. So I'm assuming, I don't care if it's open mic, because it's going to be awesome if I'm drinking 50 different tequilas and eating great Mexican food. I'm really interested in yeah, that thing. I'm yeah. interested in the, this tequila festival. July 15th is sounding pretty good. I think the Tequila Festival would be the one that I try to combine a trip to see my parents um, with. All right, I'm and, putting and, it in the calendar right tequila. now. Put it in your calendar, Denko. I am. All right, so fellas, broadening out from your hometowns, let's talk about summer festivals nationally and your suggestions for where our listeners may want to go. First one, Mackinac Island Festival in Michigan. 70 years and going strong. It's a 10-day festival. There are food and wine tastings, a 10K run, concerts, carriage tours, a lilac queen is crowned, and 
horse-drawn floats clip-clop in the Grand Parade. Because Mackinac <laughs> Island is one of those places where they don't allow cars. So it's all like bikes oh. or like you got to walk or apparently ride a horse. Uh, next one, the Testicle Festival in Missoula, Montana. <laughs> this July, over 5,000 pounds of Rocky Mountain oysters, that's bull's nuts, <laughs> will be consumed by sometimes intoxicated attendees in various states of undress. <laughs> Next one, Kool-Aid Days, August in Hastings, Nebraska, where Kool-Aid was created. The festival attracts over 20,000 visitors and includes a variety of events, games, a parade, and the world's largest Kool-Aid stand. Last one, Whoopie Pie Festival. June 25th is the sweetest day in Piscataquis County, Maine. What? A whoopie pie is not a pie at all, but rather a creamy filling layered between two soft cookies. The festival includes a 3K race. Okay. And <laughs> Wait, a 3K? Let's do the uh, conversion on that. That's a... Uh... That's like like two miles, is it even? Five <laughs> K is three point two miles, so three. Right now, fucking Denko, enough with the math. Sorry. Anyway, a three K race. I'll figure it out. I'll get. I'll get back to you. And whoopie pies in a wide variety of creative flavor combination. Chuck, which of these summer festivals would you recommend people oh, attend? Ten days sounds too long for anything, so that one's okay. out. Uh, it doesn't sound like something you should be sampling. Like you're either all in or fuck. I'm at. I'm at fuck right now. I don't like the sound of whoopie pies. Uh, either they're whatever they are, I'm not interested. The testicle festival sounds like it's a good time, but I don't want any balls in my mouth ever. So it looks like I'm heading to the Kool-Aid days. Only oh, yeah. If, right, right. Only if there's a gigantic wall in every hour the Kool-Aid man busts through it and says, oh, yeah. There's no way that's not part of the event. There's no way that has to happen. Yeah, so yeah. I mean, I like Kool Aid. And if you're telling me I can go to the world's largest Kool Aid stand and sample red or purple, I assume those are the only. Well, I'm sure no, there's more like options, but those are the different flavors yeah. of Kool Aid at the yeah. Kool Aid Festival. Um, as much as I'd like to hightail it to Montana or wherever they're serving balls, I'm heading to the Kool Aid Days. Which one had the 10K in it? That was the Mac The 10 Day Island. Festival. Yeah. Yeah. So that's right out. That's like serious runners. Screw that. Like, we're not going to festivals to go for a run. The 3K, by the way, is 1.864 miles. Yeah. <laughs> it's I can not do that backwards. Miles. Yeah. I don't yeah. know what that and says drunk, about right? the overall health <laughs> of people attending the Whoopie Pie Festival. <laughs> Whoopie Pie, yeah. <laughs> But of all these festivals, I I, I got to think the only one I'd actually have fun at is the Kool Aid Festival. Um, I don't know. It's a, it's a lot of a lot of sugar. It's it's delicious. You don't have to put animal testicles in your mouth and pretend yep. like they're they're good food. Um, and you don't have to run. <laughs> so like, let's go to that. <laughs> I think I'm going to the testicle festival. Uh, I've never been to Montana. <laughs> I've heard it's beautiful. It's like a stop off for like bikers on their way to like the Sturgis rally every year. So there'll be a bunch of biker people, which I think that'll be entertaining. I don't. I think bet you none of those guys are eating balls, the man. There's oysters. no way they're eating balls. Um, I'm actually surprised, Nick. You've always been kind of adventurous like with food, yeah. so I'm surprised you wouldn't put a ball in your mouth. But anyway, <laughs> so we've got. We've are been, you really? Like, you guys are taking a trip together to the Kool Aid days. Um, I'm dragging my wife with me to missoula montana for the testicle festival but not telling her <laughs> that that's where we're going so <laughs> denko best yeah. summer vacation you ever took as a kid with your family 
It's a terrible question because like, because like Chuck and his lack of an Easter egg hunt, I did not have a lot of summer vacations as a kid with my family. We kind of stayed home. We didn't, we didn't really go on summer vacations as a family. Nowhere, no real, not when I was real young, you know, as we got a little older, we, we drove out to the East coast once to, to see my aunt in Boston. And that was between our freshman and sophomore year in high school. Uh, so I already knew you guys. And I rode in the backseat of a rental car all the way to Boston. And that was fun. Like we, we visited the East coast. We went to Martha's Vineyard and you know, what, what kind of, what other vacation would a 14 year old want more than <laughs> yeah. biking, biking the sand dunes of Martha's Vineyard, sampling ice cream, and you can't even drink and walking around Boston. I don't know, man. Like I did not have a really good summer vacation destination as a child. Were there any kind of trips or anything you guys did like traditions you had in the summer, even like local stuff? That you did. That sticks yeah, out. Oh, yeah. Well, okay. Yeah. So, so we would do that. We, uh, we were, what I liked growing up is, um, and part of this was because of my grandfather on my dad's side, we were big amusement park, like weekend trip kind of thing. So there was always the Cedar Point, Java oh, okay. Lake kind yeah. of stuff. So, so we'd go out to Cedar Point all the time. My, my grandfather grew up, he lived on Euclid Beach Park. So he was a huge like connoisseur of amusement parks. So as a 10 year old, I would just hang out with yeah, him and that's cool. ride roller coasters. And, and so I guess I take that back. We did make a, a longer trip to Kings Island in Cincinnati. So that's kind of a, All right. you know, yeah. yeah, God, this is awful. <laughs> no, you, you. But I did have fun at Cedar Point was great. <laughs> I like it. Well, no, I like it. You, you know, it's something your you and your family did and you, your grandpa into it too. And that's, those are good memories, man. Yeah, it was fun. Chuck, what about good. you? Yep. I know this is going to come as a shock, much like Santa's reveal to me and the <laughs> oh, Easter egg stuff. I went on one family vacation uh, when I was a kid. We went to Disney World when I was five. And there were really great things that I still remembered about it when I went back in the early 2000s. Great trip. But I'm kind of like Phil. We, we traveled like regionally where you had family. So I went to Rochester. I had family in Cincinnati. Uh, so probably the best one, me and my dad, when I was going from eighth grade to freshman year, before that started, we went to Cincinnati. Uh, stayed with my aunt and uncle for a night, but went to a Reds game. And then we went on to Louisville and toured the Louisville oh, cool. Slugger plant. Uh, and That's then cool. we went to wherever, I think it's in Kentucky too. I don't know like we, where the Corvette plant is. Cause growing up, my father always had a Corvette. So uh, we did that. Uh, and that was, and I still have like, I, I remember I still have it um, at the Louisville Slugger plant. I got the Bo Jackson Louisville Slugger cool. model. Uh, so I still have that. Um, and yeah, I, I remember a lot about that trip, especially going to the, the Corvette plant, because that was super cool for my family, too. Like our family loves Corvettes and Rocky movies. So uh, if I would have <laughs> if we would have went to Philly and then ran the stairs, it would have been a perfect like the trip Italian challenge. Yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that that's probably the best summer trip I, I did. It was like a three or four day thing. It was great. We would do trips almost every summer. I don't think we did them every summer. Um, like once my brother and I got a little bit older and we were playing sports in the summer and stuff like that, like it was harder to get away. But I remember taking a trip to a working farm in Centerville, Ohio for a week. And I'm sure when I was, you know, like 12 or 13, when we went, I probably didn't think it was cool, but I look back on it now and think, wow, that was a really interesting trip. It was a really interesting choice for my parents to make. We got to ride horses every day and you know like we got to fish and we we're on this farm as like it's actually working and stuff like that there was a day where like the bull got out and it was like a big deal like we had to go like running back to the house so like the bull didn't get us uh and you know what like i said like we you want to be part of the testicle festival <laughs> yeah he's running to montana 
I, I just think that like, like I said, we took trips almost every summer. And I think I have most of my memories from that one, even though I probably didn't think it was that cool because I was a shitty teenage kid uh, when we went. Uh, but that was, that was a cool trip. So fellas, any trips planned for this summer with your family? Yeah. Uh, we are going to the Outer Banks and I actually get back the day of the food truck festival. Right. Oh, so that's nice. great news. Um, so this trip is coming up quick for you guys. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, I think it's 18th or 19th. If we go, uh, it's, it's her family thing. Like, we're very opposite families, so her family has gone to the Outer Banks like every year since they were kids. Uh, they always stay in the same kind of place. Uh, in the first year, I was like, I don't get this because my my frame of reference is there are no family vacations. <laughs> there's work, uh, so but it's a really good time. It's competitive. They do a bunch of events, not just her family like pitting families against each other, and they're very competitive like I am, and we kind of dominate down there. Uh, so it's it's cool. Outer Banks um, <clears throat> is a pretty fun place. Uh, the weather has always been good, uh, and it usually, especially now that Chip, the first time he went, he was six months old. Okay. So yeah. now that he's into throwing rocks into the water, oh, yeah. uh, I'm going to be Perfect doing a lot of that. Gosh, I so, can't wait for the videos. Yep, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to get them. There's going to be a lot of them on social media. So, yeah, I'm heading there. Well, I don't know if it'll happen this summer, but we're uh, as a as an extended family, we're we're trying to get something together where we, where we rent a house kind of um, – a beach house on the eastern coast of Texas, maybe in the fall, because my brother lives in Austin. He's going to be up here this summer, so that'll be, he's coming here this summer. So that'll be fun uh, to to meet my young nephew and 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 those guys and have have them play with my kids. But sometime uh, maybe at the end of summer, early fall, because as we know, you do not want to go in to August. Austin, Texas no, no, no. Uh, in August. So uh, let let's get that in. Let's get that into like October, November kind of time. Uh, we may do that as a family, trying to get like a and and we'll you know, we'll rent the house for a while and, and people can come and go as, as they please through the course of the week or 10 days or whatever. Oh, that sounds it is. good. We don't really have anything planned for this summer because my wife just reopened her yoga studio and like the summer is going to be her busy time. But at the end of the summer, we are going to get her a little bit closer to her goal of being in all 50 states. So we're going to take a trip. Mm -hmm. We're going to fly um, into Rhode Island and then drive all around New England for like a week so she can kind of check off all those states. We're going to get to see a Red Sox game. Check out Martha's Vineyard. I've, I've been there <laughs> It was before. awesome as a 14-year-old. I've been there before, and I think it's technically <laughs> part of Massachusetts. So, you know, we don't need that to, to, it is. to check it off is. the list. But when we're done, the only states she's going to have left are Delaware, which if my life depended on it, I don't think I could point it out on a map. Uh, and Alaska, which I can definitely find, but it's harder to get to. So she's getting really close to being in all 50, but that's our, uh, that's our plan for traveling this summer. Should be a good time. Uh, but boys, we are out of time. I am out of questions for now, and we are going to end the show uh, on a sad, sad note. Uh, we are at an age in our lives where losing parents and our friends losing parents is a difficult reality. Um, years ago, we lost Mr. Rambaldo and Mr. Vaca, both far too soon. On uh, this weekend, it happened again to one of ours. Uh, this weekend, our dear friend Tim Schantz's dad passed away. And so with heavy hearts tonight for our friend, we say farewell to Mr. Schantz, one of the really good ones, and pass on our heartfelt condolences to his family. I hope we all hold a little closer this week, and I will look forward to being back together to do this again really, really soon, fellas. Yeah. Absolutely.
him funny. Funny like a clown? Hear the music? 